uh, s- stories like that, honestly, is what uh, keeps us going around here. We, we've been a church for seven years. That may seem like a, a long time in some regard for us. On some days, it seems like it's been five minutes. Other days, it feels like it's been 20 years. But when we hear stories about what God is doing, what we say to ourselves is we, we can keep doing this. Um, you may have seen Christy actually uh, out there today, I'm not sure, um, uh, helping with the coffee or whatever. We're just so proud of what God's doing in her life and know that he's not done. Today, I'm going to share with you in our message time uh, just some practical steps that you could consider taking and then with boldness with God actually take the steps and put yourself in a situation to experience whatever God has for you. Your story is unique. Her story is unique. My story is unique. And God has an amazing dream for each of us. He really does. In fact, here's an operational assumption I have. That if you knew what God wanted for you fully, like if you had the wisdom of God for just a moment and could see how he thought about you and what he wants to do with your life, instantaneously, any hesitance you have of fully buying in would disappear. If you had God's wisdom for just a moment to see you and see what he has for you, any hesitance you have about being in a relationship with him and going fully after what he has for you would instantaneously disappear and you would press in all the way. Now we consider it a privilege here at this church to be able to partner with God a little bit. To, uh, as crazy as that seems to think that he would use human beings to partner with him, we, we, we consider it a joy to be able to do that and help you discover what God wants for you. Let's be perfectly clear. My agenda for your life is really irrelevant. I don't even know that I have one. Some of you, I clearly do. If you're my child and you're in this room, I have a major agenda for your life, all right? Uh, But beyond that, my agenda for you is irrelevant. And in fact, even what I say today, because I say it doesn't really matter. But God has an agenda for you. And he has stuff recorded in his word. I'm going to show you some of it today. That he wants you to know about him and about you. And it matters a lot. In fact, it's the whole reason we're celebrating Christmas. It's the time that we remember God sent an amazing message into the world. His name is Jesus, and he wanted you to know some stuff about God, and I hope you get a sense of that today. Well, let me, let me tell you just a little bit before I get fully rolling about uh, what happened to me this week. My car got stolen. It really did. I, Friday morning, I was getting ready to take my boys to breakfast, and Jill was going to do a few things at home, and I was going to take them out. And so I walked outside, and I noticed my Suburban was gone. So I thought, oh, Jill must have gotten up early and gone to the store. So I yelled into the house and said, Connor, where's your mom? And Jill says, I'm right here. And I went, oh, goodness, something's not right. And uh, they, they found my car. Everything's fine. It's, it's all good, other than a few little scratches and, you know, all the electronics are missing out of the car. Other than that, everything's Everything's fine. Don't leave your GPS in the car, guys. They'll take it. Now, now listen, here, here's the reason I'm telling you that to make you feel sorry for me. There was one thing about that whole experience that for me, out of everything else, other than being inconvenienced, we're fine. Out of everything else that made it a little bit more of a challenge for me. My staff, a few months ago, bought me a GPS. I love gadgets and gizmo. I love them. And they bought me not like the cheap entry-level stuff, which would have been fine. I'd have been grateful. But they bought me like a really nice one that has lifetime updates on the maps. Because like my old GPS, like if you followed it like intently, you might go down roads that don't exist anymore. Right? It's just the way it was. So this one had lifetime updates. And uh, here, here's my deal. The reason I'm telling you that, the reason why I, like, I feel like that's a loss for me and I'm going to replace it with a similar kind, the reason I feel like that's a loss is, is getting constant updates along the way. If you're trying to go somewhere, well, that matters. Now, if you don't care where you're going, it's irrelevant. 
But getting updates about where you want to go and making sure the route's clear, making sure there's actually a road there before you turn left, that's a big deal. And the same thing is true in life. I'm a dad. I got four kids. There's a lot of things I want to do well in my life. Like, you know, I want to be one day a, a concert pianist. I, I do. I, or, and if, you know, I, a pianist, if, if you, you know, really want to hang with me. Um, I, I do. And I don't want to do that enough to actually practice. But one day, I would like to be a concert pianist. And, and, and I want to be, a little bit more seriously, I want to be a good husband. You know, there are moments I've been a great husband. There are moments I haven't been. But over the course of my life, I want to be a God-honoring and wife-honoring husband. That's a big deal to me. I want to be a good dad. Like, if I had to list the five things in life I want more than anything else, you know, honoring God, honoring my wife, and being a good dad are at the top of my list. Now, here's the deal. I can say all day long that that's what I want out of my life. But if I don't make motion to keep going in that direction, if I don't turn left when I need to turn left, if I don't turn right when I need to, if I don't check in regularly and get updates about how I'm doing and where I'm going and where I am in relationship to where I want to be, I might not end up at the end of my days where I say I'd like to be. Same thing's true for you. You get to come to church. We get to be a part of helping making that happen. Many of you sitting in seats today, you're a part of making it happen. You give, you contribute your time, you pray for us, you invite your friends. And we don't do it just because it's a fun and cool thing to do. I got to tell you, outside of, you know, outside the excitement of like the, the 75 minutes we're together on Sunday morning, it's just hard work. But the reason we keep getting up and doing it is because we think it's important to check in regularly and focus our attention on God and ask him, God, what would you like to speak into my life? I hope that on some level, no matter what other issues are going on in your life, you came today hoping, willing at least, to hear from God. I talk with my kids regularly, you know, like in, the, in trying to be the good dad thing, about things that are important in life. Like when I hear them bickering at each other, I talk about the fact that, you know, conflict resolution done well is a big deal. It's a life lesson. You don't learn it at home. You're probably not going to get it in your adult life. And all the relationships around you are going to be messed up. If you can't get healthy conflict resolution right, you're going to carry bitterness. You're not going to be able to do forgiveness. You're not going to be able to bring restoration. It's a terrible thing. And most of us have come into our adult lives unskilled at conflict resolution. And so I regularly try to press into my kids about that. I try to press into my kids about money management because I know this as a pastor. (laughs) Most of us come into our adult lives and we aren't good managers of the blessings God's brought into our lives. No condemnation in that. I've been there. I've bought the t-shirt at that place. You know, I like own a whole wardrobe full of that, you know, dynamic. And so I try to regularly press into my kids. And so here we are at Christmas. And my kids have each, other four of them, submitted four different Christmas lists. That's four times four, 16. In other words, they can't make up their minds what they want. The moment they get set on an item... It changes. They have buyer's remorse. And the funny thing about that is they're not buying and they don't have anything yet. But the moment they emotionally land on a thing, they decide it's no longer worthwhile. And then when they hear their brother mention something that sounds cool, they say, I want that too. And so it changes. And so one of the things that Jill and I are trying to do, and I offer this to you as a suggestion before I get into one of the coolest stories in the Bible, is we're trying to lean into our kids. In fact, here's a quote on the screen behind me that kind of sums up as I kind of thought through what it is we would like for our kids to get as we check in with them this holiday season. When we ask our kids, what do you want for Christmas? I love doing that as a dad. 
We're asking them a question that can and often does breed selfishness. And it's a fine question. It just needs to have some boundaries. Because what we're basically saying is, you don't have to pay for it. There's no responsibility here. Just let me know, and I'll do my best to give you what you want. No, as a dad, that's my heart for my kids, and I want them to know that. But the other side of it is, is that that attitude, if that gets ingrained in them and doesn't get some boundaries, it can create some real challenges in their life. So, in order to develop selflessness, something that this world doesn't really talk about, in order to develop selflessness, we should regularly be asking, what are you going to give? Christmas is the celebration of God's great gift giving. You may have heard the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. Now for me and Jill, this is just us, you do with what you want. We're trying to make sure that our kids understand our heart for them, a heart of blessing, a heart of generosity, a heart of they don't have to earn our love. And we're trying to do that through some gift giving, right? Practical. But we also want to hold the range in just a little bit to make sure that they don't think that this world owes them anything. It doesn't. And there's a God they can be in a relationship with that the word fairness and owe doesn't really equate in that situation. It's a God of grace. It's a God of generosity. But their response to that isn't to just say, I want more and more. It's to experience a certain amount of selflessness. So at Christmas, for instance, we as a family sit down and we say, what are we going to do to make sure that greed doesn't have a hold on us? That this season doesn't produce the exact opposite of what God sent his son into the world to do. So we challenge each of our kids. And I got to tell you, it goes over like a lead balloon every year. I mean, it's, it's the most awkward and weird. And they haven't gotten, you need to pray for my kids. They don't get it. Uh, here's the thing, Jill and I could give up, right? We could give and just say, hey, it's just the way it is. It's the, but we know that there's a more important goal here, that they get some wisdom. And it's our job. I can't trust you to do it. I can't trust the school to do it. I can't trust the world to do it. It's my job to teach my kids the values of the scripture. And so we press in and we say, guys, out of all the money you have, like that you've saved up over the year, what, what are you going to give away in a way that doesn't come back to you? In a way that doesn't immediately come back to you other than emotionally the satisfaction of helping somebody out? And it always starts small. <laughs> it does. They're like, you know, my son Max, he's got, he's got enough money. I mean, you know, for, 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 for a 10-year-old, he's, he's got jacked because he's cheap. I mean, he is. His brothers go out, and they got two bucks in their, in their pocket. It's burning a hole. They got to buy some candy. Max, on the other hand, he's like, I'm not, I'm not spending my money. So he's got like a wad of cash. No lie, I have to borrow money from him all the time. And he, he'll start out. He'll start out, and he'll say, he'll say I, I think, Dad, I'm going to put a couple, offering, a couple bucks in the offering. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's good. Is there anything else you'd like to do? No, 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 I'm, I'm done. Connor, he's my softy. He's like, Dad, I got $20. You could have it all. What, what do you think we need to do, Dad? He's like, all in instantly. Now, here's the deal. The reason we keep pressing in, because we know that this world's system will teach people. It's all about you. And we know that even if the world doesn't teach it, sometimes life gets us in the middle of its vice grip. And the pressures of life get us so myopically focused on ourselves that even if the world wasn't screaming in our ears, it's all about you, get what you can, that we ourselves would think, I don't have any margin to even think about any else, anybody else. My life is chaotic. My life is crazy. It's all about me. I don't want my kids living in that kind of crap. I don't. It's a crappy way to live life. That stinks. There's nothing God-honoring in that. There's nothing self-honoring in that. There's nothing about significance and meaning and value in life. 
the way that God wants for us to live. As a parent, I want to keep pressing in. Where did I come up with that? Am I just a genius? No, no. I'll tell you straight up. I can be anything but a genius regularly. I, if we had an hour, I could share with you and make you all laugh regularly at how stupid I can be. But God's word has revealed to all of us some very practical things about life. One of the places in the Bible where your Christmas story is recorded is the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bible with you, you can go there. If not, there'll be some words behind me on the screen. It's the Gospel of Matthew. Now, as you're getting ready to go there, let me tell you where I turn my kids' attention just a little bit this year. We've been talking to them about what we're doing as a church. You saw a testimony of Christy as she talked about how God used this church to impact her life. We're grateful for that. But we don't think he just wants to do it here. We think he wants to do it like here, like near, and far away. And so far away, for instance, um, there's this church we built last year in India. I think there was a picture right here. Uh, yeah. You see this church right here, like the pink building? And then you can see, like, through the yard, there's an orphanage over there. We gave this organization and this pastor some money to build this building. You built that last year. It looks absolutely fantastic. And then the reason we did that was so that, so that the work of God, not just here, but around the world could grow. And people could press into what God's dream is for them. We want each person coming into that church, which happens to be the nicest, like the biggest and the I don't know if it's the best in terms of its deep spirituality, but they're doing amazing work for God. And we wanted each kid that goes to that orphanage whose influence has grown because the church has grown, they're kind of organically connected together. We want them to not believe that life is just what is handed to you, do the best you can. We want them to know that there's a God at work and they can know him. And no matter where you're starting from, you can end up at a place of meaning, significance, and value far beyond your wildest dreams. If you started off on the wrong side of the tracks, God can do whatever he wants as you walk with him. So we gave them a bunch of money. Now, specifically this year, me and my kids and many of you, we're joining together. Next picture, guys. And we're going to help these girls right here standing in that bedroom. That's their bedroom. We're going to buy all of them new mattresses because their mattresses stink. They're made out of straw, and they, uh, they tend to attract um, bugs, actually. So we're going to buy them some nice synthetic material that doesn't attract and hold. We're going to give them just a little comfort in the middle of life, you know, just contributors to general overall well-being. And then we're going to expand their room. Go to the next slide, guys. We're going to expand this room right here where they're all standing there. This is like their changing and laundry room. We're going to make that bigger so there's more room for beds and more room for them to do life. Now, why would, why would we do that? Why would I press my kids and say, guys, you need to carve out. As a family, here's what I'm But what are you going to do? Because I want them to get not just a sense that it's a time for giving, the most wonderful time of the, not just that, I, I won't sing anymore, I promise, okay, uh, I, I'm not, but that there is a God component here. If I don't take time to teach those lessons, they don't get it. You can watch the giving awards all night long and thank God for people that are generous. I love rich Christians who get God's heart and they give, give, give. We need more. We need a lot of middle-class Christians who get God's heart and give, give, give. You can watch the giving awards and be happy, but if you don't press in for yourself, there is a chipping away of this value in our culture. And even a season like this where you might do a little bit here and there doesn't fully press in to the... That's why we got to check in regularly, regularly. So show them the next picture, guys, if you don't mind. This right here is the second place for giving money. Uh, you can see Smoky Mountain Children's Home. Home for children right there. It's part of the grounds. Go ahead and show them the next picture. I think it's the administration building. Over, or right at 200 kids live on campus here. 
And um, they, they, they're going to experience some, some change in their life this year as our church gives one month's worth of food. We just picked a major item in their budget and said, we want to give this to you so you can use that money elsewhere. You know how best to spend the money to help these kids? 200 kids live in residence, over 600 kids a year through foster care and adoption. And we're going to help them out. Me and my kids are pressing in. I'm talking to my kids about it. Now listen, I'm talking to you about it for the same reason. My heart for you as a pastor, you're going to see it in just a moment, is that you'd experience the full dream that God has for you. Show them the next picture up here, guys, if you don't mind. This right here is the third thing that we're giving some money to as a family. This is one of the concepts we're looking at for our new facility. This will be a a picture of what our younger kids will have available to them in what we would call our chapel time, where they do some worship and they get to hear God's word on a level they can understand in an environment that's attractive and encouraging to them. And we want you to be a part of that. So on Christmas Eve Eve, the coolest service of our year, you don't want to miss this. You're going to love it. We're going to have amazing one hour or so service and a nice party afterwards at the underground just a few miles from here. If you don't know where it is, jump on our website. But when we get there, we're going to be collecting our offering to help fund this stuff. We want you to bring something. As a dad, I'm putting 20 bucks in $5 bills in each of my kids' hands, and I'm asking them to give something. I know my son, Max, he's going to give five. That's why I'm not giving him ones, because if I did, he'd give a one. He's going to give five. I know my son, Connor, I know it right now. He's going to give 20. This is the way they're wired. I want them taking a moment and saying, now listen, if you could get your kids to do this. If as a pastor, if I could get you to do this about every area of life, not just your money. God, what would you like me to do? Can I tell you? That question right there will change your life. It'll change your marriage. It will. I'm telling you straight up. If Jill and I, and we've done this on occasion, like in the middle of some natural conflict, I know you never have it. We have natural conflict. It's nobody's fault. It just kind of happens. If we stop and say to ourselves, and sometimes out loud, God, what would you like us to do right now? Do you know how often the tone of our conversation changes? I mean, it's, the moment we do that, it's like we're half done. We're three-fourths done with the thing, and we focus immediately on what's important. You know, I quit arguing for my side, and she quits arguing for her side. If I could get my kids to approach life this way, God, what would you have me do here and now about this thing? God sent his son Jesus into the world at Christmas time. Not so you and I could simply have a moment where we reflect on deeper issues. That's good. Oh, that's good. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. But it runs so much deeper. It runs so much fuller. There is an entire life-altering reality he would like us to grab. You begin to get a hint of that in Matthew chapter 1. Verse 20, here's what it says. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. You know Joseph, the guy entrusted to care for Jesus as the dad. He wasn't the dad. It was a little embarrassing. Mary's pregnant and everybody thinks it's his, but they're not even married yet. It's a big deal, kind of now a little bit, I guess. It's a much bigger deal back then. Shame is, a, is attached with that. He knows it's not his, so even more frustration potentially. An angel of the Lord said, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she'll have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. For he will, now catch this phrase, don't let this miss, he will save his people from their sins. We don't like to talk about it too much, but 
to God. Sin is a big deal. Sin is a, a general term that encompasses all kinds of, of realities. I guess to just kind of give it a simple phrase, it's anything outside of God's will. Anything that misses the mark of what God would like for us to do. God has come to save us from that stuff. He's come to save us from our own sins. When you read the Bible, it's also apparent that over time, he's coming to save us from the sin that's just at work in this world. The system that says, it's about you, it's about you, it's about you. He's come to save us, redeem us, to pull us, to snatch us out of that thing. This is why Jesus came. So you and I wouldn't have to live stuck in the middle of our sin. But we could not just get a second chance. We could get an entirely new lease on life. Two, three, four, five, a hundred times. So that we wouldn't simply be the summation of all of our choices and decisions up to this point. All of our mistakes. You and I are more than our mistakes. What this means, let let me make this perfectly clear. This means... That if you have some relational funk going on in your life right now with God, there's a way out. This means that if your body right now is struggling, like there's stuff going inside of you, with God, your reality isn't dictated to you by your physical senses alone. There's a truth bigger than that. And God can, if he chooses, deliver from or he can work within and revolutionize your life in the middle of that. This means that if you have made mistakes that you're ashamed of, like if you have a secret today you hope nobody finds out or nobody more, this means that that thing doesn't have to define you. When I read these words written by Matthew as God directed him to write them, I have a special place in my heart for this story. Because if anybody knew about the real message of Jesus, it was Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. That doesn't sound like that big of a deal today other than nobody likes to have our taxes collected. But in that day, it was a bigger deal. Rome was in power, and the way they stayed in power in part was by getting everybody, all of its participants, everybody that experienced the Pax Romano, the peace of Rome, everybody that benefited from the roads, everybody that benefited from the peace at work and the general well-being in life, well, they paid taxes. And the way you got taxes is, listen to this nice system they developed. You go to Rome and you pay so much money so you can be a tax collector over a certain area. And they tell you how much you have to turn in every quarter. You get a five-year appointment. You have to turn in money every quarter. And then they give you special permission with the might of the Roman army behind you. And they say, anything above what you are obligated to give us, you get to keep for yourself. Here's a customary list. And it was customary to normally go way beyond what you were allowed to have. And that's what they did. And so they put Roman citizens all over the world. But then they discovered there was even a better way. What if we get people from the local area who know people, who know really have have the money, and we tax their fruit and their vegetables and their meat and traveling over a bridge, living in a city, and we tax their house, we tax them all the way around, and we find people who know the details. Let's find local people, and we'll empower them. So Matthew was a Jewish dude, traitor in one sense, in cahoots with Rome. And if he was like most tax collectors, he was skimming off the top, out of the backs of his neighbors. Way to go. In fact, tax collectors are so hated in the Bible, we talk about, listen to this often, if you read your New Testament, you'll come across this phrase. Sinners and tax collectors. I mean, you're not just a sinner, you're like a 
tax collector at the bottom of the list. And one day Matthew was collecting his taxes. And Jesus walked by. And when he walked by, somebody brought a sick man to Jesus for him to heal. And Jesus looked at the sick man, and the first thing he said in earshot of Matthew is, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) Not what we would expect, you're healed. (laughs) Your sins are forgiven. I'm here to do my full work in you. I don't want to just alleviate some challenges. I want to change the entire trajectory of your life. Matthew watches this go down, and when the whole thing happens, And the man is healed, but he's also set on a new course of life, a life with God, peace with God, active involvement of God in his life. Jesus turns to Matthew, and he walks right over to him while Matthew's collecting his taxes, and he says, I want to go to your house. (laughs) That's a big deal. Nobody wanted to go to the tax collector. You don't know let the tax collector know anything about you. And Jesus says, I want to go to your house today. In other words, he was saying, I'm the one guy in this whole region that doesn't hate you. I know what you're doing, and I don't hate you. And Matthew experiences major change. He looks at Matthew, and he says, come follow me. And the Bible said that Matthew, we don't know the details, did whatever Matthew needed to do and began to follow Jesus. And his life is forever changed. Now, let me make something clear. Matthew experiences, and here's my truth for you. Matthew experiences not only salvation, not only the forgiveness of his past, not only like a new lease on life, He doesn't just get the past taken care of. He gets a future. (laughs) A future that's being written actively as the Holy Spirit is involved in his life. As he lives in community with Jesus and the other disciples. He gets an entirely new life. Jesus didn't just come to earth on Christmas so that you and I could have like an emotional fresh start. I hope you do. You know? He came to give you a full life. So many of us, this is my heart for you as a pastor. We experience the fresh start, but we don't ever embrace the full life. Matthew wanted to write a story called a gospel. It's recorded in your Bible. An entire story of what Jesus did so that you and I wouldn't just get little touches by God. A little strange, you know, tingly spine thing. Or, oh, I enjoyed that moment. Or, oh, wow, I have a little more hope. He came, Matthew wanted you to know, so that you and I could have an entirely new way of being. So that we wouldn't just get alleviated, we would get fully changed. This is the full gift of Christmas. It's like when I unwrapped that GPS from my staff I was referring to earlier. It was really cool because it was up-to-date and modern. And I had no idea until I read the instructions. That it updated regularly free for life. It's a gift that kept on giving. Cool gift. If your husband doesn't have one, buy him one. He'll love it. I'm telling you, it's cool. This is the idea that God has for us. Not just the gift of salvation, as great as that is. Some folks today are getting baptized in marking the gift of salvation. But the gift of life, we say it around here. Now listen to this. Let me unpack it so don't just... Get the word and let me unpack. We say around here, God invites you to be on his dream team. See, Matthew thought he was just going to have a friend in Jesus, maybe. I don't know exactly. Jesus said, "Uh uh-uh. I have an entire new way of life for you, and I'm going to let you be with me, and we're going to do something together you would never do on your own. You're going to be with me on my team, and we're going to bring this message of real hope, life-changing hope, not just to a few, but to everybody. 
Oh, it was a gift that doesn't, wasn't open one time and done. It was a gift that just kept on giving. Around here, when we started this church, we had a few people like, that were with us, and these people are heroes to me. And um, they said, come heck or high water, here's what we're going to do. It's our first commitment. We're going to give one year to make sure this church gets off the ground. We believe the message of Jesus is so important. We're going to carve out time and energy in our lives to make sure that there are a group of people, our neighbors and our friends, who know that there's a church that's going to be clear about Jesus. Never compromising God's word, but making it clearly understandable. And they gave us a year of their lives. And when it was done, like the year, they said, I'm going to do it again. And again. And again. What, what motivates somebody to do that? To not just like do a one-off. That's cool. You know, you got to pray for my kids, because that's my son, Max. I mean, I'm not, not going to throw him down the river, throw him under the bus. But like, you know, he'll give his buck or two. But I mean, what gets it inside of you? It's the realization that Jesus isn't here just for your immediate sense of need. Which means there's a bigger picture going on around you than just you. And if you're myopically focused on just you and how you're feeling and how this thing is working in your life, you're missing the story of Christmas. I don't want that for you. I want you to get a gift that keeps giving. A, a gift that will cause you to say this. I don't like what happened in my relationship here. But God has forgiven me. I will extend forgiveness here. I don't want to. It doesn't feel good. I shouldn't have to. It's not fair. But I'll extend forgiveness here. And I don't know if I have the power, but God has said to me that if I walk with him, he'll give me some power. And if I'll begin to do the right, he'll never leave me alone. Matthew wanted you to know that you'll never be alone. For instance, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 through 23, like the very next verses, after the stuff about Joseph, like, you know, don't be afraid to take Mary, here's, here's what is continually said. All of this stuff about Mary and Joseph and a baby occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Now listen to what God had said 700 years earlier. A little virgin is going to conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son. And they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right, you see, now we're getting to the gift that keeps giving. Not God was with me in this moment where I got a fresh start, but God came alongside me and never left me. This is the gift of Christmas to you and to me, to my kids and yours, to our entire world, to people just five miles in radius of this place, and many people have no idea. They think, when they think about church, that we're going to remind them of all the crap they've done in their life, and then we're going to ask them for an offering. That that's really what we want from them. I don't know how the enemy has been so successful in that, in convincing people that's what churches are about. They don't know that what really our message is is that there's a God who gave without expecting a single thing from you. And he didn't just give a one-off gift. He said his gift would be this. I will be with you. I'll be with you the whole way. You're never going to be alone. That means that no matter what you're going through right now, and you may feel alienated and alone, you may feel lonely. You may wonder why people did that to you. You may wonder why I did it to you. I don't know. But I can tell you this. 
There is a Jesus who came to this earth as a baby, gave his life on a cross, resurrected from the tomb, and sits with God today, and he is with you if you'll let him be. He will never leave you. A friend of mine was in a, like a real emotional state for a moment. He was preaching, and he's like, he said, your mom will disappoint you, leave you. Your dad leave you. Your brother leave you. Your best friend leave you. But nobody will leave you like Jesus. And then he caught himself. He's like, I don't think I said that right. He was just, you know, got in a roll, and it just kind of came out wrong. I think sometimes we can just miss it. It's not about feeling great and good. I think to myself regularly, where would I be as a pastor if the folks that gave us one year had said, I did my thing, now I'm done? What if they had said, you know, I don't really like the dynamic I feel in a theater, and, it, you know, let me know, let me know, Ben, when things get fixed. You get more services, you get better room, my kids aren't in a, when you get there, then we'll join on board. Let me just say this. I'm so glad that we have a Savior that never said that to us. He never looked at you and said, hey, when you kind of get it together, then I'll come alongside you. What he said instead was, I will be with you. One of my names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Whew. Now there's a gift. I mean, it'd be cool for God to come and say, I'm going to feel what you feel. I'm going to give you some teaching. I'm going to heal a few people. Then I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to be with you. When I leave, in fact, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit to come alongside you. Matthew writes his entire story. We read a few of his first words. Look at his last words with me, if you don't mind. Matthew, chapter 28, end of his book, verse 19 through 20. And I want you to zero in on one phrase. Therefore, Jesus is talking before he goes back to heaven. Because of all I've done, therefore, in light of all that's happened, along all you've heard, all that's been said, in light of my entire coming, and now that I'm leaving, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now listen to this last phrase you want people to know and never forget. Mm. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of time, to the very end of the age. This is the gift of Christmas. Let me make it perfectly clear what's at stake for you. Guys, throw up my next slide. Here's what it says. If you have everything in life, like if you had like, the perfect friends who never disappointed you, if you had the perfect church, never like, you know, let you down, had everything just the way it was supposed to be, if you had everything minus Jesus, do you know what you have? Nothing. This is the message of Christmas. If you have everything, I mean, if you got it going on, the hot girl, the hot guy, the great job, the perfect life. I don't. You don't have Jesus? God wanted you to know? You got nothing. Somehow you missed it. And conversely, because of Jesus being with you, if you have Jesus and nothing else, you don't have your health. People disappoint you. Your church isn't perfect. Your pastor's a moron. Whatever it is. You got nothing. But you got Jesus. You got everything. I'm not going to let my kids go through life and not have regular opportunity to let that message go here and take root and grow. I'm not going to let our church go very far without being reminded, yeah, I'll let you down. Your parents will let you down. Your kids will let you down. I tell you, they will. That's why the Old Testament said when they mess up too bad, we should stone them. And that's exactly why it says that, because they'll let you down. They will. I'm, it's a joke. No emails, please. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have a New Testament now. We don't do that sort of thing. All right. But because everybody will and life will, Jesus wanted you to know the gift isn't that he came and left and left your great teaching. It's he came and he's still with you. And it should change everything. Which means if you don't have a job today, our heart breaks for you, honest to God. We have heard so many stories. We are praying for you. Do you have Jesus? I, I know you still have practical challenges, but I'm telling you, press into what you have. And see how it doesn't change the outlook. There are people in this room who have major physical issues going on. And if God doesn't intervene, the horizon of their life is much shorter. And those that understand that Jesus is with them, it's changing them daily. I learn from these people. They're my teachers these days. I learn that they get Christmas much more than I do. And it's my job as a pastor, as a dad, as a husband, as a follower of Jesus to be reminded of what's really going on here. You and I have an opportunity to get on God's team and not make our lives just about what we see, but to help other people see that Jesus came so that we could have life to the full, not just fresh starts. When was the last time the reality of the full gift of God smacked you in the face? I mean that in a corrective way. Like, get out of your funk. Boom! You got Jesus. I need that regularly. I, I'm sure you don't. That's how God has to communicate to me. Friday morning, our car is gone. And we've had an interesting three months around our house. And I walked in, and Jill said, you know what this is? However it works out, this is some form of the same thing we've been experiencing and God wants us to not lose focus and to keep pressing in. Those are almost her exact words. Today, I got a text from her. My phone's over there, and she says, get up and preach God's word with boldness and kick the devil's butt today. I got a good wife. And I got Jesus. And so do you, if you're following him. I don't care what else is going on in your life. Oh, I care. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. But you got Jesus. Shouldn't that make a real difference? Listen, if you don't have him today, he wants you to know that, yeah, you get a second chance. You get a fresh start. You get lifted up. But you get him with you the whole time. And then you get to be a part of helping others experience it. You get to run sound, set up a stage, work with kids, serve your neighbor, come together in crazy love groups and serve the community. A group of us today serving the Ronald McDonald House. You get to help other people experience not just a one-off, like so many people are going to do this holiday season. You get a continual experience with the life-changing force that is Jesus, that he changes your now and your eternity. And when our eyes are on him, it changes everything. When the wise men came and looked at the baby Jesus, the Bible says that they went home a different way. I read that this week, and it reminded me, when you and I get to see fully Jesus all the way, <laughs> we go a different way after that. And if you don't, I'm telling you, it's time again to turn your eyes on him and look full at his face. And everything else begins to grow dim. Everything else. Turn our eyes on him. So what can you do this Christmas? I want you to open the gift all the way. Why don't you grab your connect card? Let's take a few steps together as a congregation. 
While you're doing that, my last slide. <laughs> the full gift of living your God-given destiny is open to you when you join God's dream team and say, God, I don't just want a one-off. I want all that you have for me. And I want other people to know it. And nothing's going to get in the way of making me a part of giving your message to this world. Here's our next steps today as a congregation. Next step A is I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. It's a big deal for us. We don't go more than just a few days without giving people an opportunity to say, I need the life that God has for me. I want Jesus to forgive my sin. I want to follow him as the leader and the Lord of my life. If that's you, check the box. Then act of faith. We're going to pray in a minute. And we're going to give you an opportunity to like begin walking with him. And we'll send you some information this week that will really help you. The next step B, I want to get baptized. Our next baptism is going to be on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great day. Um, we're going to put them in a bowl of soup and baptize them, just kind of keep the whole metaphor. That's a joke. No, there's total, total water over here, yeah. All right, next step C, I'll move on. I'm joining with Four Corners to give a Christmas offering. Listen, you don't have to. If you're, if you're a skeptic, cynic, whatever, just ignore and move on, all right? But for those of us that are compelled, do, do something to pass this on to your kids. You've heard the idea that I gave that we're going to do. I'm going to leave it up to them. They can pocket the 20 or they can give. I want them to feel the tension of, God, what would you have me do? Here's next step, D. I want to use my gifts on the dream team, like maybe in this church. And if you'll uh, like to do that, to help people experience, check the box, and we'll contact you early in 2012. You get through the season, you sit down one-on-one with one of our staff, and we'll say, let's explore what life with God, in terms of helping other people see what that means, could look like in this environment. And if you're not on a team around here, it's, it's okay if you're on a break. That's fine. I, we get it. But if you go more than like five, six months without being on a team, you're missing what church is about, and eventually you're going to fall out of love with this place. That's okay. If God's sending you away, we don't really want you to be here because that would be dishonoring to God. But we don't want you to get caught up in stuff and not know the opportunity to serve God here and practically live out a piece of that mission in this place. We'd like to have an honest conversation with you about Just check the box. No pressure. You sit down with one of our staff, you're going to love it. And then finally, next step E, I want to get baptized on February 5, all right? So two opportunities to get baptized, it's a big deal this week, all right? Would you bow with me, let's pray, and then we're going to do some baptisms. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace and mercy. God, thank you for the full gift of Christmas. God, I don't want to just open part of your gift. I want it all. God, I want it for the people I love. I want it for my kids, Lord. God, make me a good dad. I want it in my marriage, Father. God, make me a God-honoring and wife-honoring husband. God, I want it in our church. God, would you help me to be the kind of pastor that with passion and clarity never loses focus on what you've really called us to. And God, would you help us as a church to do what Jill and I prayed about, kick the enemy's rear end in this season, in this region. God, we want you to be famous here. We want us to go to the background. And we want to live what it is to be people who have God with us. We pray it in the powerful and holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen.